Do you remember that time in your life when everything seemed to make sense? When things just seemed to flow smoothly? That time in your life when it seemed that you had all the answers to life's questions. If you're thinking about it, some of you may recall those times during your childhood. You see, that is the case for me. When I was a young boy, things were simple. Things made sense. One plus one equal two. When it was cloudy, it meant it was going to rain. If you kept your room clean, it meant you get more outside time to play. If it was Saturday morning, it meant cartoons and Cheerios. You see, during that time, I didn't have many questions about life. The hardest question I had to answer was questions like, why did the chicken cross the road? Things just seemed to make sense. However, the older I get, the more I've come to realize that I have more questions than answers. The more some things just don't make sense. You may have similar questions. Why are there so many homeless people when there are many millionaires and billionaires in this nation? Why is there so much division in families? Why are so many people struggling with loneliness and depression without a sense of hope? There are more questions that I have, but you get the point. With the more questions that I have to face, it has resulted in more confusion, more confusion than I would like to admit. This is because I have become more aware of the world in which I live. This means that I am aware of the good things that are present as well as the, as the evil. This week, as we continue our study through the Minor Prophets, we will introduce the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk had questions also. His questions has left him in a state of confusion. We will look together at a series of complaints that a prophet brings to God, and we will see how God chooses to answer him. With prayer, we will gain some insight on what to do when we have questions on how to trust God when life is hard and confusing. Let's turn in our Bibles, starting at chapter 1 in Habakkuk. I will read all of chapter 1 and stop at chapter 2, verse 1. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear, or cry out to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise, so the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astonished. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an evil, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men, whose own might is their God? Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are pure eyes and to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up? The man more righteous than he. You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his neck. He gathers them in the dragon, so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices on his neck and makes offering to his dragon. For by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? I would take my stand at my watchpost 
and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he has said to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. As we start, it's important to discuss who is Habakkuk. Besides a cool name, what else do we know about him? We do not actually know a lot of information about him other than that he was a prophet. Regarding the meaning of his name, Habakkuk means to embrace or to wrestle. As far as his writings, they were not like the work of the many other prophets. You see, many of the other prophets were sent to represent God to the people, to get them to change their faith or behavior. Habakkuk, on the other hand, represents the people to God. Habakkuk's prophecy displays the prophet's questions and fears due to God, not ruling in a way that Habakkuk expected. Habakkuk's prophecy is to the southern kingdom Judah. And we know this because by this time, the northern kingdom Israel had long been captured by the Assyrians. It is likely that this prophecy took place somewhere around 609 B.C. and 605 B.C. He spoke to Judah right before the Babylonian captivity. At this time in Judah's history, the economic status has changed due to the death of King Josiah and the defeat of his army. As part of the aftermath, the people of Judah were subjected to some hardships, one of them being heavy taxation. In addition, the political leaders at that time in Jerusalem were consumed with internal fighting because their leaders were either pro-Babylonian or pro-Egyptians. The religious revival under King Josiah that had previously taken place did not last long. Instead, now poor morals declined because the nation were influenced by idols. Injustice seemed to cover the whole nation like a blanket, and evil just seemed to overtake the good. Doesn't that sound familiar? Yes, a bit too familiar. It sounds a lot of the evil that we see today. It sounds like the world that we live in. Habakkuk represents a burden that he has seen. He begins his conversation with God with a complaint or a lament. Basically, this lament is an emotional cry out or plea due to all that has taken place. Habakkuk cries out, Oh Lord, how long will I not hear or cry out violence and you will not save? The prophet goes on to ask, Why is there so much iniquity? Why do you allow me to see this destruction and violence? The rulers and political leaders are corrupt. Therefore, the law has not been effective and justice is not going forward. In fact, it is perverted and wicked. These are just some of the hard questions here for Habakkuk that he is having to witness. These are terrible things, and he's crying out. God does not seem to be near, and just not near, God does not seem to hear him at all either. I would say here that we can see Habakkuk displaying some real emotion and asking some honest questions towards God. He is seeing injustice, wrongdoing, violence, disturbances of all types. Can you put yourself in his position? The prophet is crying out because he knows that Judah has to be punished for all this wrong. But when would they be punished? And why will, is it taking God so long to punish them? Habakkuk's first complaint that we see here is in verses 2 through 4. It presents us with some interesting questions. What gives a prophet the right to question God? Or better yet, should Habakkuk bring us to his complaints in this way? This is important to explore because some would say Habakkuk has no right to question God at all. Well, you see, presenting your complaints to God or lamenting to him is nothing new. Habakkuk is not the only one who had questions about wickedness and concerns on his concerns towards God and when he would intervene to combat wickedness. A similar person that most of us know, King David, you know, the man after God's own heart had similar questions. Psalms 35 provide one example of this, but you can read throughout the scriptures and see the various places that David and others had questions for God. The prophet calls out to him, expecting God to listen. Habakkuk cries out in great distress, expecting God to save. At a quick glance of this part of the text, 
you could conclude that Habakkuk's complaint that he brings to God is just a form of whining. Someone can conclude that his desperate cries for help is just some empty grumbling. But this is not the case at all. This is because he is a, pers a person who whines does so with a feeling of a sense of entitlement, which usually contains selfish motives, with the idea of mind, I want what I want, when I want it, and how I want it. This right here that we are reading in the scripture is a genuine display of lamenting from Habakkuk. To lament means to cry out in frustration to God. Genuine lamenting comes from a place of humility with a heart that comes and admits that you do not deserve anything. In this case, you must look at the prophet's heart in the, in the matter. Crying out in frustration to God is biblical. This genuine lamenting comes from a weary heart of the prophet. While asking God hard questions, Habakkuk is being obedient because in the grand scope of things, he's just being honest. In his lamenting, the prophet presents his concerns and directs his complaints in the presence of God. Doing this with a heart of humility, it gives God the opportunity to teach you something about yourself or teaches you how to want his will more than your own. We can't be afraid to ask God the hard questions. Some of you may be in your seat saying, I don't have to read about the terrible things that Habakkuk is calling out to God about. This is because I am personally familiar with the evils of the world. I can relate because I'm well aware of all the evil that's swirling around me. Even if you try to escape it, it still finds a way to be at your front door, in the forefront of your mind, taking a toll on your mental health. If you are honest, you have questions for God. Why is there so much hurt and pain going on around me? How long must we endure this evil that is around? Right now, we have family and friends mourning the loss of a student athlete due to a shooting at a local high school. Adults as well as kids are missing. Carjackings all over the city. Kids being bullied or introduced to drugs. The elderly are being abused and mistreated. Need I say more? You get the point. In the hurt and confusion, just thinking about all of this evil, it is easy for us to point to several different things as the cause. But ultimately, we should all be able to identify that this is all because of sin. When dealing with a complaint of sin, be sure to direct your complaint to God. Direct your complaints regardless of how difficult they may seem to the one who is in control of all things. Ask God those hard questions. He will answer in his timing. In this particular case for the prophet Habakkuk, he presents a complaint to, to God. And starting at verse 5, God provides an answer. God says, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astonished. The fact that God responds shows that he has heard the pleas of the prophet. The Lord begins his answer with a simple set of instructions. God tells the prophet that he's doing a wonderful work in his day, and he would not believe if told. Basically, he is saying, look around. See what I am doing. It will be so miraculous and wonderful that it will be leave you speechless. The Lord is saying to Habakkuk that even though it appears I am not responding properly to all the evil, he is seeing. The fact is that I am doing, you would not believe it, even if I told you. But although the Lord knows Habakkuk would not understand the method of his judgment, he tells the prophet what's going on anyway. The Lord will raise the Chaldeans, also known as the Babylonians, to punish Judah. In addition, the Lord goes on to give on an in-depth description of the Babylonians. This nation, the Lord has chosen to bring up upon judgment upon Judah. The Lord describes the Babylonians as a bitter, hasty, violent, and proud group of people. They are feared throughout the land. They have a fierce and powerful cavalry who seeks to gain many conquests. They laugh and mock the kings and rulers of the nations. They find strength within themselves, and their might is their God. The Lord says that what he would do, the prophet would not believe. In fact, this is difficult 
reality for anyone. Would you agree? God will use the Babylonians to bring judgment upon Judah. God will actually use the bad to fulfill his will. If we can take a moment to ponder that truth, the fact that God will sometimes use bad people or seemingly bad situation for his works. There are several examples of this in the Bible. As you recall, a few weeks ago, back when we were reminded by a story of Joseph by Pastor Brian, you remember when Joseph's own brother, his own flesh and blood, sold him into slavery because they were jealous of him? In this bad situation, God allowed Joseph to become one of the most powerful men in the nations of Egypt. God used the evil that was against Joseph for his own purpose, to use Joseph in order to preserve the people's lives in the midst of a famine. Or what about Daniel, when he was thrown in the lion's den as a result of the evil plot of his enemies? Although it was expected that the lions would devour him and tear him to pieces, God allowed him to survive through the night. This miracle had such a great impact on King Darius that he made a decree that all the men were to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. The evil that was meant for Daniel, God used to change the heart of a whole nation towards himself. Or what about Jesus? It doesn't get much darker than the betrayal the brutal beating, and the ultimate crucifixion of Jesus. That plot meant for evil by the accusers of Jesus. God used for our good, as we know that this crucifixion and subsequent resurrection result of an overflow of grace for all of us. These are just a few of the many reminders in the scripture that evil can be used for good. When God provides answers to our problems, it does not always make sense. And we should accept that because God himself lets us know that even in this scripture, we will be blown away. In fact, we can't even fathom. God is in control of all things. He is on the throne. Because he is in control of all things, God can use whoever and whatever to accomplish his purposes. Without having to justify himself, God still gave an extensive explanation, highlighting that he was fully aware of the type of people the Babylonians are. It is clear in the scripture that God is calling the Babylonians an evil people. Just because God may use things that are evil to accomplish his purposes, it does not mean that he endorses it. The question we have to ask ourselves is that when we ask God the hard questions, will we embrace his answer regardless of what it is? Or after receiving God's answer, will it send us down a path of greater grief or confusion? The path of greater distress and confusion describes the prophet here. This is what the prophet is experiencing. He's crying out to God, how long? Why? Why are you allowing this to go on? God does provide him an answer. God said that he will use the evil Babylonians to bring judgment upon the people of Judah. The prophet did not want to accept that answer, which resulted him to bring yet another complaint and ask God more hard questions. God told Habakkuk that he would not believe if he was told, which proved correct. Even after the Lord gave his an in-depth explanation of what he would do, Habakkuk still had a complaint. When Habakkuk heard God's response, he was still confused, more likely than more than before. The prophet viewed the Babylonians as more evil than Judah and could not understand why they would be the ones to bring judgment. Like, really? Could this really be the case? How crazy that, does that sound? Habakkuk's complaint was not out of a lack of faith. In fact, it was out of an abundance of reverence for God. It is evident due to his affirmations of the Lord. It is evident that Habakkuk knew of God, knew his character, and was confident in that. Habakkuk relied on his knowledge of God to help him process all that is going on. The prophet acknowledges that God is holy. He struggles with the fact that God is of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look at evil. God is the creator of all mankind. How can God allow the wicked Babylonians to take men captive by the net full, all while sacrificing to their idols? The prophet used some vivid imagery here. It compares the Babylonians' method of capturing nations to a fisherman who drops his net and collects the fish by the net 
fool. And their arrogance. The scripture says that they made sacrifices to their gods. As these Babylonians continue, how long would this killing last? What does that mean for us? Can we relate to this? Can you place yourself in the shoes of Habakkuk? Are you confused by what's going on around you? And when you think God has given you an answer, it just leaves you even more puzzled. When this is the case, let's not forget that although confused, the prophet knows God and is confident in who he is. There is an important lesson to be highlighted here is that even though we may not understand, don't allow our circumstances to distort the character of God. In times of confusion, in times of hurt, in times of loss, you know, these times when our backs are against the wall, it's always great to be reminded and meditate on the wonderful characteristics of God. It is great to be reminded to remain firm and knowing that God is just. Even in the midst of the cheating, stealing, or lying that is all around us, know that God is the ultimate judge over all of mankind. Hold on to the truth that God is love. God is the beginning of love, the source of love. Stay rooted in knowing that God is omnipotent, having unlimited power to accomplish anything and omnipresent, which means that he is everywhere, present in his fullness of his being. Cling with certainty with the truth that God is sovereign, meaning that there is nothing that is outside of his control and he has control of everything that happens. God is eternal. God will exist everlasting into the future, but also existed identically throughout the infinite past. There are so many more great qualities of our God. Oftentimes we can look at our problems so much that they can cloud our view of God. This provides great evidence of the importance of reading our Bible, meditating on his scripture. Worshiping him with a life of obedience. Doing this will allow us to transform, will allow God to transform us and grow our understanding of his character and produce a heart that is open to the dynamics of a life of faith. After Habakkuk is presenting his second complaint to God, still struggling in his confusion, the prophet seems to make a decision. He decides to wait on the Lord to once again provide an answer. The prophet says that he would take his stand at his watch post and station himself on the tower. While stationed on that watch post, Habakkuk has chosen to take a position of obedience. To understand this, it is important to recall when God first answered the prophet back in verse 5. God gave instructions. If you will look back, God told the prophet to look and see. Here's the part of the text we see that Habakkuk decided to follow. He said he would take his position at the watch post to look and wait to gain God's perspective. While taking the position at the watch post, it shows that the prophet God alone, which provided him the opportunity to gain God's perspective. He has positioned himself to listen to wherever God wants to teach him. Just visualize how Habakkuk stationed himself on the tower, waiting to receive an answer, waiting to receive further instruction. You see, the waiting with a purpose is crucial. Waiting is not a passive activity. In fact, it is active stillness. Waiting provides a great opportunity to direct our attention towards God, waiting for him to intervene in our situation, to provide answers and clarity in our times of confusion. In the midst of asking God the hard questions or presenting our honest complaints to him, be willing to let him lead you, thinking about whatever your complaint is. Our issue is that we somehow believe that we can get God to think in line with us. But the reality of it is that we need to take the necessary time to get our thinking in line with God's. What does that look like in your life? What instructions have God given you? What is God calling you to? You see, when life is hard and confusing, the truth of the matter is that God's expectation of you does not change. Hopefully we can agree on the big picture that we are called to love him and love others. 
We can agree that we are called to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to observe the God's commands. In this context, where are you called to serve and grow the kingdom? What talents and gifts are you refusing to share in order to edify the body of Christ? Who is a person you are failing to disciple because you just don't want to make the time? Where have you failed to get in position? Although he still has some unanswered questions, Habakkuk is determined to remain faithful and station himself in a position to hear from God. Like the prophet, we should do the same. We must raise our attention and thoughts above the sight level of our circumstances. It is true we don't see life in the childlike lens we once did. However, we can find confidence in God in the midst of our confusing times. There is no doubt that Habakkuk was honest in asking God the hard questions. As we see the evil around us, we, we are called to ask God the hard questions also. We're called to cry out to him with the expectancy to receive an answer. We saw when the Lord answered the prophet, Habakkuk was left even more confused because God revealed to him that he would use the wicked Babylonians to back, bring judgment upon Judah. That is because the truth of the matter is God chooses to answer us. It does not always make sense. Habakkuk continued to trust God, but not to let his circumstance distort his view of God's character. We too are called to stand firm on God's holiness, love, omnipotence, omnipresence, justice, and mercy. While still waiting on the answer, Follow God's instructions to gain his perspective. For Habakkuk, it was for him to station himself on the tower. What instructions from God do you need to follow to gain his perspective? What is stirring in your hearts and mind right there where you are? Take the next step. Take that next step with expectancy. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you in your sovereignty. We just thank you for your holiness. We just thank and rely that you are omnipresent. We love you. We just ask now in times when we may not understand, times when we may be hurt, where we may be lost, where we may be confused, that you just give us clarity. If it requires for us to wait, Lord, give us patience, Lord God. As we are patient, let us not sit there and wallow or whine. Let us be active. Let us continue to seek you in that. Let us seek you and what you have for us to do. Lead us and guide us in all things. We just thank you for your answers. We thank you for never leaving us nor forsaking us. And we just ask that you continue to guide us each and every day going forward. We love you. And all things we ask in your son's Jesus' name. Amen.